This is episode number 77 with dietitian and nutrition coach Raquel Talent. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. My name is Ryan McGuire, your host. Each week I bring you a guest or a message that will help you along your own pursuit of happiness as well as following me along my own. And on this episode, I was joined by the very, very knowledgeable, registered and licensed dietitian, Raquel Talent. Raquel is based in Las Vegas, working with people from all walks of life, including athletes, on their nutrition and fueling their bodies properly. The amount of knowledge she has is incredibly vast and super impressive, and you're about to find out why. It's truly incredible how much information we covered in just this one episode. She is someone that has knowledge in an area that I have so many questions about. I love learning about diet, nutrition, and fitness. These are truly some of my favorite conversations that I've ever had. We unlock some information in this conversation that I believe everybody should know about their diet and what they're putting in their body every single day. Raquel also does a great job of clearing up a lot of misinformation that's floating around on the internet or perhaps some things that we were told growing up that's just completely not true. She mentions in this episode how dietitians like her are fighting the good fight, which is a lot of the misinformation that we hear daily. So she's here to set the record straight and demystify so much information especially when it comes to carbohydrates, macros, and fueling your body to perform at its peak performance. Raquel, I can't thank you enough for joining me on this episode, for bringing this invaluable information to everybody listening. This is one of those podcasts that can change your life from here on out. And I truly mean that. What you put in your body affects everything that you do and the level that you can perform at. All right, I've rambled long enough. It's time to get to the good stuff. So without further ado, here is Raquel Talent. Hey, Raquel. Hi. How are you? Thank you for bearing with me this, this last 30 minutes. <laughs> it's all right. I, I had a rough uh, morning too, so I get it. Oh, man, got to love technology. <laughs> It's a double-edged sword there when, when things start going to haywire right before you're supposed to have a podcast, but I really appreciate you hanging, hanging in there with me. No problem. I had a kid that decided to stay home sick from school today. So. Oh, that's a bummer. They do I was okay? worried today too. I'm like, oh, of all, like really? Today? <laughs> really? Come on now. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I, I have AT&T fiber. I don't get paid for, for saying that or whatever, but yeah, Google fiber is installing all around the neighborhood. So they probably did something that jacked up. They screwed up my front yard already. Cause I had to dig and bury the wires in there. So um, yeah, the whole neighborhood was posting on Facebook. Who lost, who else lost internet? So that was me, but we are back online and I am very happy to say so. And I'm happy to have you on. So thank, thank you once again for joining me. Oh, thanks for having, having me. I'm excited. Great. And you're in Las Vegas, correct? I am. Yes. How long have you been out there? Pretty much my entire life. We moved wow. here when I was two. Wow. So. It's, uh, I imagine it looks quite a bit different now than when you first uh, arrived. Oh yeah. Where I live right now, I, you know, it didn't even exist. Wow. Um, even in high school, I don't think this area 
had been built yet. So it, it's grown tremendously over the th- decade. It seems to grow quite a bit. What are your thoughts on the heat? I just, the summers. Um, I, growing up here, I, I don't remember really it bothering me ever since I had kids, which my oldest is 11. I, I can't stand it. And I don't know if it's getting older, if it's my thyroid or what, but I, I feel like I'm becoming less and less tolerant of the high heats mm-hmm. um, over the past like year or so. So we try to escape in the summer, but it's great the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, those Vegas summers can be brutal for sure. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. Once again, thank you for joining me. I love talking to people with your background. Um, you are a dietitian and nutrition coach. Um, we'd love to know real quick where you went to school for that. I went to UNLV. So, so you are you are really into Las Vegas. You <laughs> you love it there. I do. I have two bachelor's degrees and a graduate degree from there, and I also taught there for about five years. So yes, I have spent a lot of time. So cool. No, that's awesome. I cannot wait to dive deeper into a lot of our topics that we have planned for today. Um, I I love that when I reached out to you, you were, you were on it. You were like, you know, let's, let's, let's um, schedule specific topics. What do you want to talk about? And there's just so much that's interesting to me in this field that you're in. And I tell people, I tell myself, if I had to go back in time to go to school over again, I probably would do what you do. Um, I find it so interesting and correct me if I'm wrong, but you work with athletes a lot, right? Yes. Um, more and more I've, I've been transitioning my practice more towards athletes. And I would even say very active people. Um, I'm still trying to find a good term for it, to be honest, because the, the word athlete will scare some people because they don't necessarily identify as an athlete, but then like something like active lifestyle can turn some athletes off because they're like, Oh, well, that's not what I need. So I, I would say, yes, like performance nutrition. So people who just prioritize their fitness and physical activity um, all the way to, you know, um, let's say competitive athletes. Okay. Performance. Yeah, that's actually a really good happy medium right there. I like that term because one of the questions I have for you is like, am, am I an athlete? Like what, what do you consider an athlete? So, you know, it's kind of tough because there isn't really a universal definition of an athlete is. And I don't really look at it as are you I don't feel like it's my place necessarily to determine if someone's an athlete or not. What I do do, though, is do you need more than just general healthy nutrition? So does does your level and intensity and frequency of physical activity require performance nutrition or recovery nutrition. So I looking at a few things generally, um, how often are, is someone either working out or training or competing? Um, what's the duration of those workouts, trainings or competitions? Um, and what's the frequency, you know, depending on those variables, that helps me decide, okay, what, what do we need to implement now? You know, what type of fueling plan needs to be created? 
Um, but I, I would say, generally speaking, I think if you are training on a regular basis at a higher intensity and it's a high priority of yours, or if something's on the line, especially, I mean, a call, a scholarship or your pay, you know, your uh, career, then the more we go up that ladder, I would say the more of an athlete, at least in my head, you would be. Um, but just as you're not an athlete or you don't consider yourself an athlete, it, it doesn't mean that necessarily that you don't need like sports or performance nutrition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fit one of those bills. Um, I'm definitely not getting paid for my minutes <laughs> at the gym, if only. <laughs> Maybe Most one of, of these days. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of these days, right? But I'm actually doing my first race this coming Sunday. My first ever race um, for someone who I do consider myself an athlete. I grew up being an athlete. I'm still very into fitness and health. And um, for somebody that's been doing that for more than three decades now, I'm actually doing my first ever race. Um, I'm somebody that runs, but I don't consider myself a runner. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to push it. We're going to push my limits, uh, 6.2 miles, 10 K next week. I'm excited about it. I got myself. Oh yeah. I saw you commented on my post with the Brooks shoes. Um, yeah. finally getting their proper equipment. That's one thing like I'm getting better. Maybe we can touch on is, uh, you know, getting the proper equipment apparel for what you're doing. Um, a lot of times, you know, I'll buy a pair of Nikes or Adidas and they're absolutely fine. And I'll just kind of run them into the ground and then go beyond that. And, uh, I, you know, I'm probably doing myself a disservice like six, seven, eight months later, still using the same shoes that should have been thrown out a long time ago. You know? <laughs> yeah. The feet, I I've recently had to start paying more attention. I I've, I've got a, it's called Halix Limitus. So my big toe joints don't function properly and it can be painful. So I've had to really modify what I do in workouts, um, shoes and stuff like that. So it, it does matter. I think a lot of us though, it takes us a while to really not just look at, um, the aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And also at the same time, like growing up, I wouldn't say grew up poor, but you know, we grew up with, you got to prioritize some things and once you got a pair of sneakers, you know, you were good for the year. And then if you were lucky when the next school year started, maybe you get another pair. So that's just kind of how I grew up, you know? Yeah. But, um, I would love to dive in before, before we get into our topics, I would love to learn more about you, how you got into this. Tell me more about that. <laughs> so I, I got into it a little, um, I guess you could say unconventionally. It was a little of a default. I, my father had passed away from pancreatic cancer in 2008. And after that happened, I found myself just very drawn to health, you know, whether it was TV shows at the time or online articles. I don't know. I was just very interested in health. And I was able to shadow one of my friends who's a physician's assistant out here, you know, just to get a little bit more of a day to day. And I decided to that I was either going to go to PA school or med school. But in order to do that, I had to get some biologies and chemistries that I didn't already have with my psychology degree. So I, I finally get readmitted to UNLV and forever. So by the time I was able to register, like all those classes were taken. It was literally like three days before school started. Um, 
but I noticed like, oh, well, if you reg, if you're a senior, you get to register first. And because I already had a, I had all those credits, I had to declare a major and then I would be able to register first the next semester. So scrolling down, I happened to see nutrition science and I'm like, oh, well, I really like food. You know, like I, I didn't know much about it other than I always was taught. The only thing I knew about nutrition was calories for being skinny, really, to be honest, it was, you know, I was a dancer and a gymnast. So the only focus really on food was about, you know, not getting fat, you know, um, it still so is. it still is a lot of people's focus. Unfortunately, yes, it, mm-hmm. it's, we're, we're fighting that fight, many of us dietitians, but yeah, you know, so at the time, but I'm like, well, I, I did really love food. I would say we were foodies and stuff like that. So, okay. Um, but you know, after that first semester, I had a few classes and I already loved it. I, I realized how much of a science it was and how deeply involved in the, in the medical field it was as well. So long story short, I ended up completing that degree, um, you know, became a dietitian, did my internship and then also got a master's, but the, I would say when I got into the sports because the my original plan was like sports will be my fun nutrition mm. and something like diabetes will be my more serious career. But as I worked in private practice, those first couple of years and worked with, you know, probably thousands of very sick people, I would realize some of them were former athletes. So, you know, it might've been high school level college. Some of them were sort of some form of pro. And at first, you know, I would really reflect on like, how did they go from this to this, you know, it was so extreme And I started thinking back on my years as an athlete and all my friends who were athletes. And I I realized that, you know, for the females, it was always, what does your body look like? For the males, it was the opposite. It was, oh, just eat whatever you want. You're an athlete. You can just keep weight on. But there were never any, like, we we never got taught healthy habits. And eventually, you know, you, you need to know how to feel your body beyond just what your body looks like. So they started making sense. And, you know, in the past seven years in my own life, you know, I have two kids now who do sports, um, very active at my fitness studios and stuff like that. And I just see this stuff constantly where people have no clue how to fuel themselves properly for what they're doing. Um, so now I've, I'm just gone back to a much more preventative health focus and especially with athletes and active people. I'm excited to dive into that term fuel, but I got a couple of questions for you before we get there. Um, I'm going to start with this. You just said fighting the fight. Dietitians are fighting the fight. What's the fight that you're fighting? Oh gosh, we have a, (laughs) (laughs) a lot. I, I would say, so my top two. One is there's a lot of people out there now giving nutrition information that have absolutely no qualifications to do so. Um, Unfortunately, too, this is even happening with like doctors or coaches, you know, people who have the respect of a lot of people. And, you know, I think a lot of people assume that your doctor or maybe your coach um, in sports knows what they're talking about when it comes to nutrition. Unfortunately, most of them don't. Um, so, you know, we, people from everywhere, I feel like are talking about nutrition, but 
the, the large majority of them that aren't dietitians, they don't have the formal education. They don't have the experience, the field experience, the clinical experience to do so. And, you know, unfortunately, it when it's not customized to you or when you have someone telling you to do things that don't necessarily see the longer term effects or the potential effects, it can it can be very harmful um, down the road. The other one I would say is I still think a lot of people, they see nutrition as how a way to manipulate the way their body looks. And while we can do that, and while sometimes it can be done in a very healthful way, a lot of times it's um, it either isn't necessary or it's not being done in a healthful way. And this is especially, I feel like this typically is worse in females and in physique-based sports. So things like you know, my background, dance and gymnastics, you still have, co- it's not uncommon for these young gymnasts to be training for three, four hours a day, and they're not allowed to bring food or drinks besides water into their practice. Hmm. That's just complete opposite of like helping them perform their best. Um, you know, so we still have a lot of dancers in these companies who, um, even colleges, where their body weight is being used to determine whether they can perform or whether they can graduate. And that number on the scale has nothing to do with their performance or their skill. Um, And the, you know, the things that some of these athletes will do to maintain that are really dangerous. Has this gotten worse and worse? The more social media has gotten, I guess, more popular with the young generation. Um. I don't, I don't know if it's worse. I think, I think in some ways it's worse because we see, I think these young girls see even more than we saw. Like, you know, we used to see magazine covers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that were un- totally Photoshopped and all that kind of stuff and judge ourselves based on that. So now with social media though, you're seeing real people, but who still are altering these images mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it's just kind of, I think it's even more in their face. So I I think with body image, maybe, or even, you know, just your whole appearance probably is even worse, but I also, I do think there is some more awareness, like slowly, but surely making its way out there. So at least there are some accounts that people could follow to maybe learn a little bit more about why this isn't good for you or what's, what's actually realistic versus what isn't. Um, but like the, I don't know if you saw last week, the Kim Kardashian fitting into the Met Gap, Marilyn Monroe's dress. And she talked about how she lost all this weight in three weeks. And I'm just like, Oh, I feel like we, now we just took 10 steps backwards. Um, Cause how many girls now are going to, the next time they want to fit into a dress or do something are going to do okay, I'll just lose 20 pounds in a month. Yeah. There's a lot of powerful people or influencers with a microphone that, you know, people think that following them is the way to go and following their advice is the way to go. Said people should be following accounts like you, (laughs) just like I do. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I just think it's so important to keep in mind that, you, the majority of the things that are actually going on, you don't see. And a lot of these things aren't nearly as glamorous as what you do see. Mm -hmm. 
I think it goes with everything on social media. That's everything. That's not just even like physical appearance. That's relationships and life in general. Cause you know, you're posting your highlights and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm love my fiance and I cannot wait to get married, but we don't post an argument that we had last week about whatever on social media. You know what I mean? Like no one knows that stuff and that's how everyone is. So it is just all highlights. It's a highlight reel. That's all it is. It's the same with kids. It's the same with business. You know, you don't, you don't post your super stressed out days where you're screaming or crying or when your kids are screaming and crying, like mm-hmm. it is, you, you're only seeing like, you're almost only seeing the super positive things. Exactly. <laughs> Another question I had too is since you've started, I know science is constantly changing and evolving and the research and everything, even since you started, is there an area or something that you've learned that perhaps has changed the most over like the last decade? Um, I, I think little things are kind of always changing, which a lot of people, a lot of people see it as bad. I've, I'll see people comment about like, oh, everything you knew about nutrition is garbage or that whole field is, you can't trust it. I don't think they understand the way the scientific method works where we we're constantly learning things. So, you know, we take what we have available and we learn from it and we ask more questions and then we do more science. And as that happens, it, it keeps evolving. So sometimes down the road, cholesterol is a great example. I would say, you know, back when I started, I'll be honest, most of us dietitians were already way past the whole, like, don't eat dietary cholesterol, but the guidelines hadn't shifted quite yet. Um, so, you know, you know now we know that it, it isn't really dietary cholesterol, it's saturated fat in large con- amounts that typically um, lead to cardiovascular disease or, you know, clogged arteries. But if you look at a lot of the foods that are high in cholesterol, most of them are actually also high in saturated fat. Mm. So it wasn't like people were completely stupid. We just, you know, the science was evolving. Um, So I think that happens a lot. Um, I know GI issues are getting a lot more research now. So we're learning a lot more. Um, But I'll be honest with you, we still have a lot to do. So I think even in 10 years, you'll probably see some different guidelines or recommendations as we have now. So I think that's why it's important for, you know, we go back to people who really understand how to interpret scientific evidence, but also who have clinical experience should be the ones guiding these people because you have to take all these different things and analyze what you have and give people recommendations that are most appropriate for them. You know, you're not always going to know exactly what to do with every person because we're different. We respond differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different other facts. You know, we have different genetics. We've had different histories. All of those things come into play. So, um, yeah, you know, even in, in the sports world, sometimes, you know, I would say proteins kind of a one that has evolved a little more. We used to think, oh, you can't absorb more than a certain amount of protein, or you have to have protein right immediately after you're done exercising. That's your anabolic window. Well, we now know that that anabolic window is much larger. So most people don't have to have it, you know, immediately after. We also know that 
you can actually absorb the protein you eat, even if it's a, a larger amount, but you can't necessarily use all that for muscle protein synthesis or, you know, getting bigger muscles or repairing your muscles. So, you know, it's, it's like little things that it changes. It's not that it was completely wrong. We just were able to test more. I love this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm already going to tell you, I'm going to have you back out. We're going to do a part two because I know I gave you an outline others. Everything you brought up is like, I've heard that so many times Like you got to have like protein right after your workout, you have like an hour window and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. And you just debunked it. Right. That's just not true. No. I, so there are some people though, depending on, you know, their, Again, with how, how how strenuous are their workouts? When is their next one? Are they doing double headers? You know, there, there are different things to look at. Um, it also, I think too, with the protein after the workout is like, you have to look at their schedule. So is this a student who is on the go? Is this somebody who goes to work and doesn't have time to go home? Um, what are their, what's their overall protein intake like? Like, are they struggling to meet it? Are they getting plenty? Um, you know, so depending on the person, I don't, I wouldn't say it's harmful to have the protein within 30 minutes to an hour after, but it isn't necessary most of the time. Like we thought we once thought. Okay. Um, so I don't think it's harmful. It might actually be beneficial for some, but it's also not necessary if you're like slamming a protein shake just because you think you have to get it within the 30 minutes. You know, a lot of people don't need that. And a lot of people, this isn't, it's a little off here, but a lot of people need the carbs with the protein, but they totally skip the carbs because it's that, you know, protein shake mentality. Yeah. When for some people, the protein isn't even what you need the most of right after that workout. Well, yeah, I was, I was one of them for a long time. It was getting my protein, getting my protein, cut the carbs. I mean, granted physically it will cut you up. I'll be the first one to say like, I would get trim, but my energy level was low. Um, you know, I just, I just knew physically looked pretty good, but I knew I wasn't bringing everything that I had to the gym. Like I knew I was leaving on the table probably because of my nutrition. Nutrition is, it's like everything, you know, especially when you're an athlete and working out and into fitness. And, um, would you, would you go as far as saying having a protein shake after a workout or having a protein intake, I should say is ideal, or would you not go as, as far as even saying that? Um, I, I think it varies for some people. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, for others, I think you need to focus more on carbs. So your, your carb to protein ratio should be more like a three to one or even a four to one. If you're more of like an endurance athlete, or maybe you're competing in a sport. And especially if you have something coming up within, you know, a short amount of time, we need to focus more on the carbs at that time. Um, some people though, I would say they don't need it. You know, you can go home or you can go to work and just have a meal. You could have a breakfast, a lunch or dinner, whatever time, you know, of day it is, and you don't need the protein shake at all. So it, it, I would say it really depends on what, what, what were you doing? What do you have coming up and what are your goals? De depending on those things will kind of determine on, do you, do you really need this protein shake or not? We are already 
dipping right into fueling your body, which I love. Let's hold off on that for just one minute because I do want to get into you know that. But I wanted to bring up the term with you, unlearn. Do you have issues having people unlearn the stuff like the cholesterol, like the protein stuff, all the stuff that we were taught growing up? Like I'm imagining the food pyramid I was taught when I was 10 years old. I was like, get your cereal in in the morning. And, you know, it's all full of sugars and stuff like that. So do you, is your, is one of your biggest issues having people unlearn what they've learned growing up? Um, for, yeah, absolutely. Um, it depends on the clients too, you know, and this is always generally speaking, you know, I, there's never a hundred percent females do this and males do this by any means, but a lot of my female at clients, especially those who are former athletes or who are still athletes, um, there, there's a lot of food rules that they have come across that we have to really work at getting rid of over mm-hmm. time. Um, the fat sometimes still comes up, like some people still are very fearful of fat, um, but carbs has those have become villainized now. So a lot of times actually almost every person I've worked with is under eating on carbs. Um, so yeah, we, we do, there's certain things about time of day. A lot of people still think they can't eat past a certain time when that's not necessarily true. So yeah, yeah. A huge thing of what I do. Um, you know what though, I will say for some people it is, I guess you could say unlearning or demystifying, but for other people, they just never learned. So they're not really following certain rules for a certain reason. They're just kind of winging it. You know, they, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's a lack of awareness. Was it the Atkins diet that was like the carb killer? Is that kind of what started all of this? (laughs) That is what I remember. You know, keto has actually been around longer than, than when I even heard of Atkins, but like I hadn't, I don't think it had become, popular yet, like a fad. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember Adkins, I was in high school when I first heard of Adkins and I actually tried it back then because I didn't know know what I was doing. Um, But yeah, Adkins was like, it's the first one at least that I can remember being that super trendy, low carb fad. Mm -hmm. And it's still a And I, you just mentioned like eating in like certain times and stuff like that. So I can honestly say I am somebody who does, I go back and forth sometimes with intermittent fasting. Um, I would love your, your input on that. I can say, I do truly believe it works for me, but I'm also pretty lenient too. There are times maybe I'll watch a clock for, for the most part. I'm like, okay, I'm decently hungry now. I can eat now. I'm not really constraining myself to a certain window. Um, but I will say overall, I genuinely like waking up on like, let's just say the weekends and I get a workout at nine or 10 o'clock with a decently empty stomach. And I, I feel, I feel much better than having like food in me. Um, but I would love your input and thought on intermittent fasting. Yeah. So overall, I, I don't love it for athletes and even most very active people. Um, I, I have seen for some reason, it does seem like males do tolerate it a little better than like the female clients I have worked with, but the, the reasons, the main reason I don't love 
the fasting and it, it depends on the window too. If it's a 12 hour fast, I think that's actually totally normal. Most people yeah. fast overnight for 12 hours. So that is perfectly fine. And I would say very normal. Um, when we start getting down low to like an eight hour window, I don't love that. And there's a few reasons. One, I think it, it can be really challenging for a lot of these people to meet their calorie and nutrient needs when the window is shortened like that. So I think it depends on what the goals are and what your needs are, you know, as far as whether that would be detrimental to you or not. Um, I also, I have so many clients I work with, they struggle with making better food choices later in the day because they let themselves get so hungry mm. earlier in the day. And when we start adding in, you know, smaller, healthful breakfasts, or even maybe let's say a couple snacks, they tend to do much better the rest of the day. So, you know, just going off all the clients I've worked with, I, I have yet to have one that didn't see progress or feel better when we started adding food in earlier. Mm. So I generally like that's one of the first places I start with clients is because it is very common where, you know, I think we're rushed and stuff like that. So we don't eat. And then by 11, 12, we're starving and it, it can just, it makes the rest of your day for many people. Um, not as great when it comes to eating before bed. That's, that's a lot more, I would say individualized. Like some people, they need at least two to three hours before bed, or they just simply don't feel good. So in that situation, you know, and that's why I wouldn't want a shorter window in the day is because we need to get everything in so that you can stop two, three hours before bed. That said, some athletes, like they need, they need a snack in the evening because one, they're hungry. And I would never want them not eating because they're watching a clock and that does happen. Um, but they're hungry and they, their body needs it. You know, it's like, sometimes you can only consume so much throughout your day without either feeling stuffed or just because you have work and you have school and you have your trainings and all that stuff. So sometimes that snack later in the evening is actually very beneficial. So it, I would say it, it varies from person to person. Also, sometimes some GI issues that people experience, we need them. Eat, we need a larger gap between when they eat and when they go to bed. Um, so that would factor in as well. Okay. So now you're saying snack. Um, I think a lot of people, when they think of snack before bed, they're thinking cookies and milk or something. You know what I'm saying? Like something like ridiculous, like a little late night topper. When you're saying snack, what comes to mind for you to recommend people? Um, so, well, I would, I think it depends on what their, what did their intake look like during the day? Mm -hmm. Um, and what are they really, what do they need? Are they struggling? Is it carbs or protein that they're struggling with? Is it all, is it just everything? Um, but ideally it would be something that's not too high in fat. You know, you're, you're going to be going to bed. So we, we don't want it to be too hard for you to digest. Um, so a, a balance between the carbs and the protein would be ideal for some people and maybe not my as active people, but for some people, if they're having a hard time managing their blood sugars, you know, we might go a little higher on the protein than the carbs. Um, also, at, you know, because it's at night, I would say more of a nutritious carb. You don't really need 
a lot of added sugar or refined carbs at night, you're going to bed, you're not getting ready to perform. So, you know, something like it might be fruit, it might be like a whole grain piece of toast, maybe it's Greek yogurt with some fruits, you know, some something that's smaller and got some nutritious carbs and lean proteins. You just made me very happy because there's some nights where it's just like after eight dinner, it's like, I can go for a little something, something semi-sweet and I'll have Greek yogurt, perhaps with some apricots or some blueberries in it. And that's, that's a good dessert to me because it does taste sweet and I do like it. So I'm glad you just said that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect one. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a popular one, even a cereal, but something maybe let's say like Cheerios, something mm. that's not loaded and added sugar. Um, you know, that could be a perfectly easy, healthy snack as well. Yeah. I've been these last few years, very aware of not having added sugar foods with added sugars. Um, occasionally I do allow myself to have something with like a sucralose in it. I, it's, I'm sure that's no better. I'm sure. But, uh, I got to have something sweet occasionally, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, that's something I do keep an eye on is added sugars. And I usually don't bring those things into the house. Something I wanted to ask when we were talking about demystifying is uh, eggs. You brought up cholesterol. What are your thoughts on eggs? Because I do love my eggs. Don't tell me they're bad for me or I'm going to feel bad, but, uh, oh, you're shaking your head. All right. Keep it going. What are you going to say? I, I mean, I haven't, I don't know if I've ever thought eggs were bad to be honest. Um, a lot of people was, did like growing up, it was like, so only so many eggs is cholesterol so bad for you. Oh, they, yes, absolutely. I just always found that one. I'm like, how could these be bad for you now? If you're eating the whole carton, in a day that, well, okay. You know, everything in moderation in that goes for healthful foods as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think eggs are a very nutritious food. So as long as you tolerate them, I, I don't worry at all about my clients eating eggs. Um, I don't know about the raw egg shakes like that you see sometimes. And like Ro- Rocky made that popular. Either. No, that's okay. I don't yeah, know that. Now that type of stuff, I, I would stay clear of that, but just having eggs for breakfast or, you know, throughout your day, I don't see an issue with at all. Great. Thank you. <laughs> all right. This is going making good decisions here. I'm getting confirmation on that as well. I appreciate that. Um, I know we've kind of been dabbling in and out of fuel and stuff like that. Um, this is something I really, let's just dive right into it. And one of the questions I have is we hear the, the terms fuel and fueling your body properly. What exactly does that mean? Because everyone uses that. You need to fuel your body. Well, everyone kind of thinks it's like going to the gas station, putting the fuel and driving off. I feel like fueling your body might be slightly different, but I would love to hear from you. Yeah. You know what, though? It is a good analogy. I do use it because people understand it. Um, Especially, let's say, I know you're going to do a race soon, so we can can use runners as an example. But, you know, you wouldn't expect your car to go... 300 miles if it only had enough gas for a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you expect your body to? So it is, it is a good analogy, but I think it, it's a little more complex in that. So we all need a certain amount of essential nutrients. So we all need a certain amount of calories, carbs, fats, proteins, but then also the vitamins, the minerals and the water. So those, it, it doesn't matter who you are. We all require a certain amount of those to survive and to function. We, as we 
add in physical activity and then, you know, we add in more strenuous or longer duration, you know, those needs for many of those nutrients are going to increase. So, you know, feeling your body, I would say is making sure that your energy and nutrient needs are met on a regular basis. And then as we get into more specialties, you know, whether it's a health condition or it's performance nutrition, well, how, how do those nutrient needs change for you? Um, so like fueling your body properly could be very different from person to person. Um, you know, what's adequate for one won't be adequate for another. What's moderate for one isn't necessarily moderate for another person, you know, calories, I, I could say something is high calorie, but for someone twice my size and twice my activity level, it might actually be low calorie, you know? So like, that's where the customization becomes so important. Um, same for certain athletes, you know, like fueling, we, we talked about added sugars earlier and yes, you know, generally speaking, we want to watch our consumption of added sugars. But for some athletes, depending on the timing and on what they're doing, those types of sugars can actually be very helpful because they aren't hard for us to digest. So if you're doing a marathon or you're in a hockey game or something like that, you don't want like high fiber, high protein bars or, you know, any sort of food like that, because it's likely you're not going to be able to digest it properly in time and you can have GI distress. So, you know, that's where things like Gatorade and Gatorade like beverages come in or the cereal bars. So a lot of the things that I wouldn't normally tell people, oh yeah, just go have that as a snack in the middle of your day. I'm trying to get my athletes to actually add in. So, you know, I fueling your body properly is learning what you need and ideally you're working with somebody who, you know, knows how to guide you in this and then doing it. I've heard, and correct me if this is wrong or if this is a myth, I've heard that adding sugars after a workout as well as protein is beneficial because it helps get protein to your muscle faster. Have you heard of that? Yeah, so yeah, we are more sensitive. Um, so about 30 minutes after completing like a strenuous exercise, the muscles are still taking up that carbohydrate without needing the insulin. And then so studies have shown that even in the 30 minutes following that, we tend to be more sensitive to the insulin, which means that we can restore our carbohydrate, our glycogen um, in the body more effectively if we're getting those carbs in, you know, soon after we complete the, the exercise. Um, it doesn't necessarily, too high a fiber might not be great because, you know, you want it to be digested and absorbed quickly. Um, but that also depends on how soon after that do you have to complete another bout of strenuous activity. If you have about 24 hours or more, you don't need to be as concerned about that because it, as long as you're getting enough carbs over those 24 to 36 hours, you should be able to um, replenish your glycogen stores anyways. 
But as that time starts decreasing, so let's say you maybe someone had a game at night and then they have another game in the morning. Well, now we need to kind of get that rate of glycogen replacement going more quickly. Or someone might even, let's say it's like eight hours or four hours apart. Well, now we need to really focus on that. So that's where those, you know, the simpler sugars and the amount of carbohydrates needed is going to become more important. Okay. Uh, Keep keep going, please. No, I was going to say it it always comes. I feel like a broken record sometimes, but it, it always comes down to like, what is the individual doing and what are their goals and how soon do they need it? Okay. And as you talk about fueling, one of the first questions that came to my mind is how do we know we're not over fueling and or under fueling? What are some of the telltale signs? Obviously priority number one would be to hire you work with you, right? But let's just say we all can't do that. How would someone know I am over fueling myself or I am under fueling? So I, here, I would say some symptoms to watch out for. Um, so for under fueling, you know, energy is a huge one. So am I having early exercise induced fatigue? You know, do I feel like I'm kind of hitting my wall or am I gassed sooner than I should be? Um, or also what are, what are your energy levels like throughout the day? You know, if, if you're having a really hard time in the afternoon, staying awake, or you're just really tired all the time, your mood is affected, you know, you're irritable, that those are some signs that you might be under fueling or improperly fueling, uh, especially with carbs. Some other things, you know, you could look for is your, your digestion. Um, sometimes with chronic under fueling, we also can see GI um, issues, um, sometimes other hormone imbalances. So like your thyroid function can be affected. Um, your, the sex and stress, stress hormones can be affected, which can, I mean, it can really make everything going on feel like really lousy. Um, your hair, your skin, your nails, you know, is your hair, is it thinning? Is it falling out? Um, is your skin really dry? Are your nails really brittle? You know, these are all different signs that either you aren't consuming enough calories, you're not consuming enough carbs, maybe you're not consuming enough protein or even the vitamins and minerals, you know, something is probably lacking if not everything. Um, one thing to keep in mind though, is, you know, there are other factors that can contribute as well. So it might be nutrition, but it could also be you're not giving your body enough rest. Um, you know, you're overtraining, you're not getting enough sleep. That's very common as well. You're not able to manage your stress well. You know, all of these things work together. So it, I would say these are signs to look at. It, it's a signal to you that something is wrong. But what it is, you kind of, that's where you got to dig a little deeper. Um, overfueling, you know, I mean, one of the easiest ways would be, are, are you gaining weight even though nothing really has changed? You know, so, and same with underfueling, you know, are you, are you having trouble maintaining weight? Are you dropping weight even though you're not intentionally doing anything? Um, so that's where body weight can sometimes be an indicator. You know, if you're gaining or losing all of a sudden, even though you don't feel like you've 
done anything differently. Um, it could be under or over fueling. However, that could also be, that could be other factors as well. That could be your stress. That could be um, your hormones that are imbalanced. Maybe your thyroid is, you know, needs to be checked. So it isn't necessarily your nutrition, but it could be. Can you gain weight if you under fuel? I would say eventually. Um, yes. Now, if you're, so if you're truly taking in fewer calories than you're burning, you know, you're, you're going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't gain weight, but what can happen is our metabolism can start being affected and it can slow down. Um, and then your body just is, it's being, I like to describe it as it's being thrifty with the energy it's willing to expend. So over time, if that is constantly going on, well, your, your energy needs, the amount of calories you're burning is actually lower. So if you're still consuming the same amount of foods, but your body isn't burning the same amount of calories, then yes, um, like you can start seeing weight gain, even though you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not eating anymore. I don't feel like I'm eating a lot, but your, your metabolism has slowed down. Um, so yes, but you're still technically consuming more than you're actually burning. So it's more of an issue of you're not burning as many calories anymore. Okay. And once your metabolism slows down, is there a way to speed that back up if someone's dealing with that? Um, yeah, I have seen it happen. You know, I think where people really run into issues with this is when it has been going on just over and over and over again, like the yo-yo diets. So, you know, people, mm -hmm. and this is what we talked about in the beginning, the rapid weight loss it's not a good idea if you actually want to be able to maintain your results, because when you're constantly losing a bunch of weight and then gaining it back and then losing rapid weight and then gaining it back, you know, I have seen over time where people start getting a little older and, and not old, but twenties, thirties, forties, sometimes if they started early young enough, um, where they do start having trouble maintaining a certain weight or even losing weight. But a lot of times Luckily, if we can get there, I, I like to explain it to clients as if, if we can get your body trusting again, that it's not going to be deprived of calories and nutrients, you know, over time, it, it can start burning again, you know, so it has to, I think your body has to realize that it doesn't need to be more in survival mode. You know, it, it can actually, your, your hormones can get back to normal um, but a lot of times we just see so many alterations that we have, it, it can take a while to get these things going in the right direction again. Um, so you, you have to eat, you know, you can't just keep cutting back your calories and then increasing your physical activity. The, the more you do that, the worse you're going to make the situation. Hmm. So we have to find a way to kind of gradually get your calories, you know, not so low or where you're not trying to burn so many. Um, and also make sure that you're, you know, we have to look at your macronutrient consumption of your meals and all that kind of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of macros and carbohydrates, I would love to bounce the question off of you. What are some foods you recommend with some really good carbohydrates compared to foods you would say, stay away from these carbs are just not good for you? So gen, for just general meals, not mm -hmm. like perform, like 
not pre-exercise and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, try to choose carbs that also have, you know, vitamins and minerals and fiber. Um, so a variety of fruits and vegetables, your starchy vegetables are good carb sources like potatoes, which are not bad for you. Like some people say, um, corn, which same thing, unless you have a intolerance to it, it's healthy as well. Um, whole grains. So more like whole wheat bread that actually has some fiber in it, brown rice, quinoa, um, even like pastas that, um, I really, I don't eat gluten now, but I like the Barilla protein plus is like a easy, higher fiber, higher protein pasta that can be found in most stores. You know, you don't have to get super fancy if, if you can't do that. Um, but those are generally the carbs I have people pick from. So, you know, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables, um, a little bit in, you know, like if it's a Greek yogurt and someone just absolutely can't do plain, they despise it, you know, and even adding fruit in, they're still like, eh, you know, maybe get a vanilla. Um, there's a couple of brands out there that have a lower amount of added sugar compared to others. So, you know, trying to find um, a Greek yogurt, but at the end of the day, I think you really just have to look at your overall consumption, you know? So if you go and buy, you know, a yogurt that has some added sugar in it, but that's like one of the only, you know, ingredient or products you're consuming that has added sugar. That's not really bad, you know, mm -hmm. but now if every single thing that you're consuming has a bunch of added sugar, well, now it's going to add up and probably be problematic. So, mm -hmm. you know, choosing your whole foods most often is a great, you know, practice. But I don't think, I think sometimes we overstress if like something has any added sugar, same with cereals, you know, like if it's got a lot of fiber, it has vitamins, minerals, it has protein, and it has a little bit of added sugar, you're getting more nutrients and benefits than you are added sugar. So I don't think people, I don't think you should stress over it. But again, now if you're eating Fruit Loops all day long and you're not getting any of the other nutrients, well, that's probably going to be a problem down the road. And I assume that oatmeal is also a really good place to get some good carbohydrates. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't have. I love oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, cause it's something that I do probably eat three, four five times a week for breakfast. Um, I do genuinely enjoy it. Throw some fruit in that as well. Um, I have talked to you and I've heard many athletes say, you know, they eat oatmeal almost every day for breakfast or whatever. So just wanted to confirm that and throw that out there. Everybody's listening. Oatmeal is also a really good choice. Yes. Oatmeal is great. Although, so you, some people though, even those <laughs> read your ingredients list or read your food um, nutrition facts, because some of those are loaded and added sugar too, which like, now if it's like a, if it's very, it's getting close to a workout or a game or something like that, a race, well, that added sugar, maybe that's helpful, but general healthy nutrition, you know, you want to watch that added sugar in there. I, you're better off getting the plane and then adding some fruit to it. Um, so there, there's so many products out there now that, you know, yes, oats, I love oats in general, but you do need to watch the oat products because some of them are more 
sugar, then I would say they are like whole grains. Including the oat milks. That's something that I learned is, you know, just because it's oat milk or whatever, and there's all these different types of oat milks now and like reduced fat and vanilla flavored, all that kind of stuff. And oh, sometimes it's it's a lot to take in. And it's just like you learn over time. You're like, I was buying the wrong one for so long. I've been drinking this crap. <laughs> so <laughs> like me, but I have a question I want to, you brought potatoes, which is great. So a staple in my diet, anybody who knows me is I love my sweet potatoes. I have sweet potatoes constantly. I'm as I'll ask you while I have you. What are your thoughts on sweet potatoes? Oh, they're great. There's nothing wrong with sweet potatoes at all. I mean, I, I guess if you're having like, I don't know, five a day. <laughs> no, I'm not having that. Not that bad. <laughs> Although even then, to be honest, it probably isn't going to harm you. Um, the only like negative effect from vitamin A from foods it can be like if, if people have a really, really high intake of it, like let's say carrot, let's say they're eating, you know, bowls of carrots every day. Um, it can cause the skin to have like a little bit of an orange hue or tint or whatever. Okay. Um, but it's it goes away when they like cut back. That's interesting. Um, so I guess if you were to, you know just go at it with the sweet potatoes every day. You you might experience that. Um, but no, overall, I think they're a great source of carbs, um, a good source of vitamin A, great source of fibers if you are eating it with the skin as well. Mm-hmm. So nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with sweet potatoes. Um, but on the topic of vitamin A, that is one vitamin though, you want to watch with supplementation because it can be toxic. So highly unlikely to be toxic from food. Um, I don't know of any toxicities, you know, just from food sources, but with supplements, if you're overdoing it, it can definitely cause toxicity. So that you don't want to do. Okay. Let's, let's tap into that for a moment. You've mentioned a few times vitamins and minerals. Um, which ones do you think we should kind of keep an eye on? Um, I do know that I take, vitamins, um, one of them being vitamin D, because I know that's a little harder to find in foods. And I've recently gotten my blood tested after a year of being deficient to being where it should be. I'm very happy about that as vitamin D plus K. And, um, as well as I do take fish oil, I do take CoQ10. Um, I think I'm just trying to think, I think that's, that's for the most part, I think that's it. Cause my levels seem to be pretty good, but I know you, like I said, I know you've mentioned vitamins and minerals, feel free to hit on a few of those. Yeah. So this is always, this is also very, this is highly individualized because, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you were deficient in vitamin D. I I have the same thing actually. So I do take vitamin D now. And even though I'm in Vegas, you know, I, I struggle to keep my vitamin D levels adequate without some form of supplementation. So that is something I take regularly. Let me ask you real quick while you hit on that. As I had a conversation with my fiance the other day, it was like, now that after a year has gone by, my levels are where they need to be. Does that mean I just keep taking what I'm taking or should I, or could I taper that off? Okay. So without knowing like your levels and your dose and stuff like that, um, Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I'm not going to do a, like a personal recommendation, yeah, yeah. but no, most likely you need a maintenance dose now. Okay. So when we're deficient in something, we oftentimes need a much higher dose to correct the deficiency. And once that deficiency is corrected, you, you probably just need a maintenance dose. Um, I do recommend though, getting tested again to make sure that maintenance dose is 
where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, and I'm just throwing these numbers out there. This might not be yours, but you know, I know for mine, I was taking 5,000 IU daily to correct the deficiency. And then I went down to, I think it was 2000, 1000 or 2000. I can't remember. And my levels, they weren't, I wasn't deficient again, but they did drop lower than we wanted them to be. So then she bumped me up. So now I take the 5,000 IU, except for I take it four to five times per week, not seven days per week. You know, I was going to ask you that if, if like every other day would be the same thing is kind of yeah. what you're talking about. And so, so yeah, so some people might stick with the 5,000, but they do it every other day instead of every day. Um, you know, in my case, I'm doing it four to five days instead of seven days. Um, some people can just take 2000 per day and maintain some might take 1000. So it, I would say you have to, you want to monitor your levels and see how they're responding to your dose. Um, but I like to see people's vitamin D. I like to see lab work a lot before recommending because I'm not going to tell someone to go take 5,000 IU when they're not low or not deficient, you know? Okay. So, um, but vitamin D is a common one. Um, magnesium is a, a common one for people that also depends though on sometimes on your symptoms too, because there are many forms of magnesium. So which one's best for you can vary, um, depending on what your goals are and also what your symptoms are. So, um, that can vary, um, you know, vitamins and minerals. And I would say a couple of things to, I guess, be cautious with, um, you know, certain minerals and certain vitamins, like I said, vitamin A can be toxic. So you don't want to mega dose with those. Um, they can also sometimes interfere with the absorption, especially the minerals, they can interfere with the absorption of other minerals. So like, you know, um, over COVID, I feel like, you know, zinc was really became really popular that some people were taking huge doses of zinc, you know, that, that can actually be problematic. So you need to make sure your consumption is balanced, you know, more is not always better. Um, you know, but for which, which vitamins and minerals people need really depends on their, I would say their, their levels, their cellular levels and their serum levels, but also their, what's their intake? Like, you know, what are, what are they getting? And are there any gaps that they just can't correct using food for one reason or another? Yeah, this is, this is all, I can talk about this stuff all day. So just just to dive into vitamin D. So I am, I have been taking 5,000 was whatever, What's the IU? IU is that what it is? So five thousand IU vitamin D three plus K. Um, but I've only been taking it Monday through Friday. I never take anything on the weekend, uh, so maybe that's probably helpful. Um, so that's something I could look into. Is perhaps even maybe even like a little less every other day or something. Um, yeah. We how, to, how long have you been on the on just the five days, or was that to correct the deficiency? I know to correct the deficiency, I, I went twice a day for, I think 60 days and then tapered it down to one, um, by one pill Monday through Friday. So I've been doing that for well over a year now. I got my levels checked two months ago, I think, and it came out really good. Um, so yeah, we just had this conversation. So I was like, Oh, I might as well ask you. (laughs) Yeah. I would just do that then, but just make sure to keep monitoring it. Um, Most 
so vitamin D too, this is where you have different scientists who have different um, ideal levels <laughs> and intake. So it, it's a little controversial still, but I know most practitioners um, like to see levels at at least 50, um, but not above 70. So now your, your doctor might have different. So I would consult with them, but that's just kind of from digging into the research and then talking with my doctor, that's kind of the, the range that seems to be optimal. When you say doctor, do you, do you go to a, a normal physician or do you by any chance see a functional medicine doctor? I now see a fun, I see a functional medicine doctor. However, they are MDs in this office, but they have just, they now practice from a functional standpoint, I guess you could say, you know, they were, um, I guess, what would you say? Traditionally, conventionally Mm -hmm. trained. Um, but now are, you know, they have the certifications and everything with functional medicine. And, um, so yeah, that is who I have been seeing for almost two years now. That's awesome. Yeah. I I think probably like the best way to go is like a mix of like, you know, Western medicine, if you will, plus functional medicine. I wish more people knew about functional medicine. Um, I know that's something that I've been into for quite some time. Um, I actually believe that I'm going to go see a functional medicine doctor here sooner than later. I'm excited to do that. Just do, uh, I mean, I think I'm fully healthy, but you know, you never know there can be underlying, like, I didn't know I was deficient vitamin D. I had no idea. So I got my levels checked and I was like, what the hell really? I had no clue. So yeah, Yeah. it would be nice if there were more practitioners that were, I, I would say a compromise though. Um, what I'm seeing lately is, like kind of the extremes where we have some doctors who just, I feel like almost refuse to kind of get a little more updated Mm. or accept that maybe some certain practices aren't helping us, especially with more overall healthy people, you know? um, However, on the functional medicine side, I have also seen a lot of extremes Hmm. And there, you know, there are certain things that I I've seen be recommended. And I mean, I have dug through the research and I, I'm like, where, where does this come from? Like, I don't, I cannot find the scientific evidence behind any of this. And it, it doesn't mean that it's not just because we don't have evidence doesn't mean that it isn't true, so to speak. But it's also when you're, you know, recommending people to take all of these supplements and do all of these protocols without having any of the evidence like that, I still can't jump on board with either because it's like, well, okay, but what are the effects of that? And in Mm -hmm. the nutrition world, sometimes these more functional recommendations can also be very extreme. Um, And I have seen, you know, firsthand how, um, unhealthy those can be, you know, like landing you in the ICU, almost dying when you're not at all old, you know, just so malnourished that you get so sick, um, and end up in really, really bad shape. And you take several months to recover from, you know, I have seen this happen more than once. And I I think we have to balance between being overly restrictive or taking, you know, 50 supplements with like, okay, let's be a little more open-minded though. And realize that, you know, 
some of these restrictions or maybe some of these supplements might actually be helpful. Mm -hmm. So I would love, I hope in the coming years, we see more of a happy medium between Mm -hmm. the two. Me too. Um, Because I just, I'm not a very extreme person. I typically don't find either of the extremes to be the best choice. Um, But yeah, I've, I've had a (laughs) hell of a time finding healthcare professionals, at least out here in Vegas, that are kind of a, a good blend of that. So anyone listening who happens to know any in Vegas, I would love to hear it because I have clients as well searching for the same thing. So let me know because I'll have them on. I want a conversation <laughs> with them. So yeah, I just real quick just to show you my vitamin D. So I went from 23L, whatever the L is, that's when I was deficient. And then in February, just a few months back, I was up at 63. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I was very happy. I was very happy to see that, especially in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we, we all know vitamin D is very helpful when it comes to immune system and viruses. So that made me very happy. And it's nice to know you can make small tweaks and adjustments to improve your health quite a bit. So I was very happy to see that. Um, I got a question on protein. Something that a lot of us hear a lot, especially like if you're an athlete or you're going lifting and all that stuff is you should have as many grams of protein as the pounds you weigh. What are your thoughts on that? Like how much protein should one be intaking? I know a lot of that probably has to come to, comes down to if you want to bulk, if you want to build compared to if you want to just like, you know, stay fit, have the right amount of protein for you. Or, you know, I would, I would love to get your thoughts on like minimum protein intake. Yeah, I, I would say so for most athletes and even people who are just regularly pretty active, um, most of the science and the guidelines are um, 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Um, I don't calculate in pounds, but if you wanted to, you know, the conversion is to divide your weight in pounds by 2.2. That's your kilograms. So um, 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day would be the minimum recommendation for most athletes and very active people. Um, And then the upper range, what we have seen to be where we kind of see that maximum benefit, um, not maximum, not everybody needs it, but maximum as far as the large majority of people do not need to be going above this. You're not going to probably see any added you know, benefit would be two grams per kilogram. Okay. Um, two grams per pound is a lot. I, I don't think most people need that at all. Um, you could go one gram per pound. That would be pretty close to two grams per kilogram. Um, but yeah, two grams per kilogram per day would kind of be that upper limit for the large majority of athletes and active people. Um, and then 1.2 grams per kilogram would be that lower, you know, ideal limit. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to do some math again. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to rewind this part and do the math again. If yeah. I were to give you an av, let's just say I weighed a hundred pounds, right? What, what would that, what would the protein intake be just so we have a good baseline? So, so I, I'm about a hundred, I'm really small human. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm about a hundred and I aim for around 1.6 grams per kilogram. And that's about 76 grams of protein. Okay. That's great to go lower. You know, it would only actually have my calculator right here. So let's say 
100 pounds would be 45.5 kilograms approximately um, times 1.2, about 55 grams of protein. Okay. So, you know, if you're 200 pounds, then that would be, you're looking more around 110 grams of protein as your minimum. That's great. That's just easy, simple math that people, if people are driving to listen to this kind of gives them a good baseline to start. (laughs) But then, you know, you, um, a couple of things with my clients I look at is, you know, I take that, those kind of guidelines into account, but then we're looking at too, are, are they trying to lose weight without losing muscle? or minimizing muscle loss? Um, Are they trying to gain muscle? Are they, you know, what kind of sports or activity are they doing? Is it, um, are they in season or are they in an off season? You know, um, but also what are they currently doing? So, you know, if someone is getting, let's say 50 grams of protein per day, and ideally my calculations say 150, well, I'm not going to bump them from 50 to 150. That's just not realistic. So, you know, we'll kind of gradually, I think you have to meet yourself or you have to meet your clients where they're at too. Um, so also too, it depends, you know, on certain times. So let's say endurance athletes, you know, if they're getting ready to do a triathlon or a marathon or something, well, for a, a certain period of time, we might bring protein intake down a little bit just because carb intake is going to be much higher than usual, you know? So usually it's a, a small window of time leading up to the event or during the event. But in those cases, you know, you might, you might do something that you're not doing, you know, on, on a regular basis. So protein has a, has a lot of factors to consider too. Um, also, you know, protein intake might need to be higher as far as grams per kilogram, if someone's a vegan or a vegetarian who, you know, doesn't really eat dairy or maybe doesn't eat eggs, you know, so their, their animal protein, their higher quality protein intake is limited. We might need them to get a little more in order to get all of these essential amino acids in that they need. Um, so, you know, what, what they're, um, overall intake or what protein sources they're having can also play a role in kind of like how much would be ideal for them. So a lot of people to get their protein intake, take a protein shake and they probably just go drive a mile or two or whatever it is to a target. Right. And they go down the aisle and they see all these different kinds of protein shakes. Most of them, probably a lot of them probably have a lot of added sugars and fructose and sucralose and all that stuff in it. And on top of that, there's whey, there's isolate, there's pea, there's plant, there's all these different type of protein shakes. I don't even know where, where to start with this. I just might as well ask you, what are your thoughts on all these different types? And do you possibly have one that you would recommend and, or perhaps even one to kind of maybe even stay away from? Yeah, well, I would say the more, um, I don't know, the more unnecessary stuff that's in there, I, I would stay, I, you know, if you're only going for protein, you don't really need all the other stuff. So, you know, um, I like just kind of mine would be, well, so I want to disclose, first of all, I don't like protein powders, (laughs) not for you, but not for my clients, but just personally, I've never, 
liked the texture or the taste of protein powders. So I'm really picky and I can't speak to the actual flavor of a lot of them. I also can't do stevia and it is so hard to find a protein powder these days that don't have um, sucralose or stevia. And I don't mm-hmm. do either of them. Mm-hmm. So the protein powder that I actually like is it's biochem natural. It's a whey protein isolate. It doesn't have either of those in them. Um, I actually tolerated the taste. It's like a vanilla. So it just has a little bit of natural, um, vanilla in it. So that, that is my personal favorite. Um, I also do unflavored collagen because it's unflavored and it dissolves. That's tricky though. You can't just shake it. Like a lot of people like to do with the protein. Um, you need to dissolve it in with something hot, like a espresso or a tea or a coffee, or I put it in my oatmeal. So when I I'll cook it a little, so it's hot, but still runny and dissolve it in there and then finish cooking it. But again, um, I do that mostly because I just don't like protein powders all that much. Um, but for people trying to choose one, you know, one, it depends on your tolerance. Like some people, if you can't have whey, well, then you're going to have to go like with a pea. Um, so that can, that depends. Um, I write whey protein isolate. If you can tolerate whey, um, you know, there, there's a lot of science behind, we know it's well-absorbed. We know it's a high quality protein. So I personally would just go with that to keep it simple. However, you know, there are some good pea proteins out there too. So I, I don't think either are bad. I think what matters most is what is your overall protein intake and are you getting all of the essential amino acids? If, if those, if that's covered, the protein powder you use doesn't necessarily make that much of a difference. Okay. And you're touching on amino acids. I want to get there in a moment, but you just said you're, you kind of blew my mind here for a second. Cause I've been taking collagen powder mixed in with my smoothies or shakes or whatever. I'm doing it wrong. Am I just wasting money or what's going on there? No, not no, nothing like that. It it can clump really easily. Okay. I thought you couldn't absorb it. No, 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 no. Sorry. (laughs) No. I'm going to say for the last few years, I've just thrown money down the drain here. I'm thinking. Oh no, that nothing to do with that. Um, so I'll give you an example. One of my former students who, um, I've worked with and, you know, is now more of a friend. Um, They tried the unflavored collagen because we had been talking about it and we didn't talk about how to mix it. So he just put it in his cold beverage and shook it like a lot of the, you know, people do with their protein powders. Mm. (laughs) And when he drank it, it was all clumpy. So he was like gagging because it's pretty good. It's like gelatinous, like, you know, clumps. So if you put it into a smoothie, it's best to put it in like last and blend it right away. Cause if it sits, it will, for, it will clump. Okay. And same thing, like in um, hot beverages, you know, you, you can put it in and then just, you want to just make sure to stir it quickly and it dissolves beautifully. But if you don't do that, it can give you that um, undesirable clumpy taste or texture. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing to do with okay. this. I literally, I literally had a protein shake with, um, with collagen powder in it as well. I was like, don't tell me I'm doing it wrong. So, cause I do know just to mention a lot of the vitamins and minerals that you had brought up and even beyond 
you do need to take it with certain things sometimes to be absorbed properly, like vitamin D. Like that's why I have the vitamin D plus K because it absorbs way better. So um, that's something for people to be aware of. And I, I know, correct me if I'm wrong, I know you have to go. You have a hard stop at some point coming soon, correct? So that my kids are just going to barge in if, <laughs> from I'm, school. I'm, I mean, I, I, I get that. So I'll try to, I'll try to speed oh. this up, but there's so much great information that you're giving. <laughs> no, I heard it. They're home, but they know not to come knocking until they Okay. All right. Good kids. Well, I do want to dive into amino acids. You've brought that up a few times. It is something that I do take probably 30 to 40 minutes before workouts. Would love to talk about them, what they do, who should take them and perhaps when you should take them. Okay. So, so this is the first time in this conversation where <laughs> you're probably not going to love this. Oh, um, great. <laughs> are you talking about branch chain? Amino yes. acids? Yep. Okay. I don't find them to be necessary or even very effective. Um, again, you know, when it comes to protein, the, if you are getting your amino acids, if you're eating whole protein sources, which it sounds like you are, the branch chain amino acids likely aren't doing anything for you. Um, if you, again, maybe were vegan or just had a very limited intake, then possibly um, to get those amino acids. However, you're still missing six essential amino acids that you're gonna need to get the full benefit. So I would still, in that situation, would think you would benefit more from like a protein powder that just has all the amino acids in it. Um, you know, most with almost all of these supplements, I will say there's conflicting results, but when you take like the most recent higher quality reviews that are out there that kind of look at all the studies that have been done, um, they're really, they don't find much of a performance benefit or a benefit in muscle gains from BCAA supplementation, mm. when, especially when protein intake is adequate and your overall intake of all the essential amino acids is adequate. Okay. So basically I'm just getting enough everywhere else that I just don't need to take this on top of that. Most likely. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, and yeah, I don't know everything you eat, so I don't right. know that for certain, but it most likely just judging off of what you, you know, things you've said you are consuming, uh, most likely you're, you don't need those. What things have I said or what things just in general do have a lot of amino acids? So the, the essential ones that we, that our body, you know, has to get from the foods, um, those come from your primarily from your animal protein. So any type of meat, fish, seafood, um, also any sort of dairy proteins. So whether it's milk or yogurt or cheese, you know, any of those, um, your same with your whey proteins, those would have it, um, eggs or another. So really all your animal protein sources, um, for people who are vegan or just maybe don't love a lot of animal proteins, um, soy is considered a higher quality plant protein because it has those, um, all of those nine essential amino acids. Um, quinoa also does as well. The only issue with like something like quinoa is, you know, unless you're eating 
tons of it. You, you know, you still do need to get some other plant protein sources in your diet. Um, but the, what we call high quality proteins that contain all the essential amino acids are your pretty much your animal proteins and soy. Oh, this is great. Is there a way to know if you're getting enough amino acids? Is there a test for that? Uh, not, I mean, I, there's probably a test for everything. <laughs> I have not utilized a test, um, but I would say more your intake. You know, if, if your protein intake is matching your needs, you're recovering well from your exercise, your fitness and sport endeavors, you're seeing the gains you want to see, mm -hmm. you're, you're probably doing okay. Um, if you weren't getting enough protein, you, you might start seeing some issues, but a lot of times, as long as you're consuming proteins and a variety of different proteins, your essential amino acids are probably okay. Um, what, what are amino acids doing inside your body to help you? So the, your proteins are built of amino acids. So essentially proteins are, um, oh, I wish I had it in here. Oh, so I'm going to use this as an example. It's not exactly, but like these are little footballs in the necklace. Yeah. So each, if we take proteins and we're building them, each of these is an amino acid bound together. Okay. So proteins are like all these different combinations of amino acids. So they will have you know, certain proteins have different amino acids. They have different combinations of those amino acids and essentially they end up forming proteins. So amino acids are your building blocks of proteins. Okay. So, oh, you know, almost everything in our body is some form of protein. Most things. Okay. okay. <laughs> Got it. And I realize you're in Vegas. You just pulled up football. Are you a Raiders fan by any chance? <sighs> Actually, <laughs> I'm actually a Broncos fan. Are you? I've got a Broncos hat on. You just said that now. <laughs> you know what? I noticed it right after we started, but we were, we were already asking questions. So I didn't want to like interrupt. Oh, you can, like, you can oh. interrupt me anytime to talk Broncos. Anytime. You can make all the Broncos stuff behind me and everything. Oh <laughs> man, I like you even more now. This is wonderful. This is the best. Yeah, so when the Raiders, when we were getting a football team, you know, I was excited, but I was like, really of all the teams we got, like that was, that's the one that has to come here. Um, oh, we got Russell but, Wilson now. Oh yeah. It's on. <laughs> yeah. And I can't, um, you know, for Vegas, it was like, okay, I hope they do well because it is Vegas. Um, I liked that UNLV was going to get to use the stadium. Mm. So I thought that would be good for the program, but you know, so I don't hate on them. <laughs> oh, no, you're a Broncos fan. You have to hate on them. <laughs> we probably just, we probably just lost a bunch of listeners so we can get back to it. But I'm like, I said, we'll have you on again. And we're going to talk Broncos again. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is super one. I got a couple more questions. I'll let you go. I know your kids are waiting for you. Sure. Um, another question I have is I, we're going off script here. We are just going beyond this. The outline I sent you. So forget it is, <laughs> A lot of times we go to these stores and I, like I said, my fiance and I, we go to the, to the store and we go shopping together and we see all these like protein bars and these bars and everything. There's Laura bars, cliff bars, um, RX bars, all these, all these bars. And for the longest time I was taking one a while back and it just 
when I got to really look at the ingredients, I was like, I shouldn't be taking this. You just think protein bar. Mm, that's good for you. Athletes take these and stuff. A lot of times there's a sugar alcohols and stuff in there or whatever. Now, a lot of these are made, it seems like from dates as an ingredient. Um, but would love your thoughts and opinions on all these like protein bars. Are they good? Are they bad moderation? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it depends what the goal is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's just, I need something healthy for when I'm on the go, I can only carry so much food with me. You know, like I know a lot of times if I'm at my kids' sports games, um, I will pack a lunch bag quite often, but sometimes I just either run out of food and I'm still hungry or, you know, every once in a while, it's just hard to, I, I need something that isn't going to spoil on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, in those types of situations, or if you're working or you have school, you know, sometimes you need things on you that are easy to carry and stuff like that. So the bars can be really helpful. So for something like that, though, I would say, you know, this is an example where I would say, look for higher fiber, some protein, minimal, not necessarily no, but minimal added sugar. Um, and then just something that you like. So, you know, something that's a little more nutritious, if it's a bar, you know, if you're using it as a way to try and bump your protein, like a lot of people don't struggle with this too badly, but some people will, they just have trouble hitting their protein targets, especially when they're really high. Well, then you want to look for a bar that does have more protein, you know, not, not all of them have a a good amount of protein. Um, Opposite of this though, is if you only have 30 to 60 minutes before a workout or, you know, um, a couple of my clients are swimmers. So I'll use, they're at a meet again this week out. So I'll use them as an example, like in between events, sometimes they have trouble um, eating because of the nerves or they only have a small window of time. Um, Then I'm going with something that actually is almost all carbs and no fat, no fiber, no protein or, or very minimal because they need to be able to digest it. So I think your, you know, what your goal is determines kind of like what, which ones might be best for you. Um, a couple brands though, that I, one brand that I recently found that I really like is 88 acres. Um, I like it because I just, I like the ingredients in it. It's all like whole foods. There's, it doesn't have the added sugars and stuff like that. Um, and they taste good. Um, I like RX nutritionally. I do really like that. Those bars, the texture is a little different. So I think for some people, it can take some getting used to others might just never really like them. Um, so I do like to give clients that disclaimer. Um, but I nutritionally speaking, I I like those as well. Um, but I also have some, like we have a, we have a ton of bars downstairs, um, okay. especially for my kids, you know, like snack time at school, it can be really hard to get something that has some protein because they can't keep it in a lunchbox or anything. Um, and I know this is a kid's bar, but it doesn't mean we can't eat it. Um, the cliff Z bar protein for kids. I like that one. Um, kind breakfast. I like those. Okay. So th- I, I feel like there's quite a few out there that are decent. Um, I wouldn't get too caught up if there's a little added sugar, as long as you're getting the other benefits from the bar as well. Okay. So they Uh, have a place, but in moderation, perhaps, and just confirm the ingredients are good. 
yeah, I think they can definitely have a place depending on your lifestyle, especially a more on the go lifestyle and athletic on the go lifestyle. Um, or again, like kids, you know, sometimes you have to look at what's ideal, but also what's practical Mm -hmm. and compromise. Um, and I feel like bars, can be a good compromise for that. Great. Another question I had for you, it's creatine. Do you uh, have thoughts on creatine? Who would, should take it? If, if you should take it, what do you think about that? Yeah. So creatine is one of very few supplements that I feel like can be both effective and safe for, um, for people. Although I, I think it again, it depends what your goals are. Um, if you're trying to build muscle mass, you know, creatine has shown to help with that when it's taken in the appropriate dose. Um, also for more like short bursts of high intensity exercise. So maybe like a, a sprinter or um, more of a short a short distance swimmer who, you know, so more, think more speed, like short, less than two and a half minutes, you know, very high intensity, um, burst of exercise. Same with like, um, though, even like endurance or intermittent sports. So, you know, hockey is a good example. They they're only on the ice for 45 second shifts at a time, but those 45 seconds are super high intensity. So, you know, like some of those types of sports, um, they might see a performance benefit from creatine. Um, there have been, I mean, there's a lot of studies that have been done. So they we really aren't many long-term, you know, um, adverse effects that we know of. Some people do complain of GI symptoms. So, you know, I think with every supplement, there are some people who might not tolerate creatine well. There are sometimes also non people who don't just don't respond to it. Um, so, you know, it, it isn't a guarantee, but it's one of few supplements that I'm not against either. I, you know, I think it could be beneficial for some people when taken properly. When should one take that? Is it like right after a workout? Um, no, it doesn't have to be after it's, and it depends if you're new or not to like a lot of people and this, this isn't always the case, but you know, sometimes we recommend a loading phase and then a maintenance phase. Mm -hmm. Um, others, you know, other guidelines kind of, it's just like a higher amount for about a week and then a maintenance phase. So, um, it depends, I would say from person to person, but it doesn't really, it, again, it's kind of the overall intake. So one thing though, during the loading phase, you would want to separate that. So it's usually about 20 grams is the recommendation for about five to seven days, but you want to split that up into five doses Mm. rather than taking it all at one time. Um, So I wouldn't say it matters necessarily when you're working out, but it does matter that you split that high dose up. If I started to take creatine, one, is there a reason for me to? And two, like, would would I see a benefit, perhaps strength if I'm lifting? Um, if so, in like your race, no, um, it hasn't really shown to have enough um, a performance benefit in endurance type sports or endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to increase muscle strength or muscle mass then yes, you might see a benefit. 
Um, so I guess it depends on what you're hoping to accomplish from taking it. Okay. So overall I do lift probably three, four times a week, also mixed in with high intensity stuff and, or some runs for, all I know it's just way too much of a mix there. We talk about that at some point, but, um, is there, is it worthless to take creatine if I'm mixing and longer endurance runs with weight training, <laughs> am I doing it wrong <laughs> in general too? <laughs> I don't think you would necessarily have a negative impact, like on your race. Um, the, the downside for some people, sometimes if you're trying to do both, like taking creatine for muscle gains, but then also trying to, you know, have better performance with endurance events. Um, sometimes people will gain, actually gain weight on creatine. It's, it's water weight mm. or maybe even muscle weight, but like it's still weight gain. So for some people that might have a negative effect on their That's run. True. So, you know, I, I would say ideally it may be breaking your goals up. So like periodization would probably be better. So if your goal right now is to you know, do your best at a race. That should probably be the main goal. And then if, you know, at a different point in the year, you have a few months where you're like, okay, my top fitness priority right now is to actually gain muscle strength and mass. Then that might be a better time to use the creatine. And then if you decide to do another, let's say you're like, oh, I'm going to try a half marathon. Well, then maybe, you know, your goal is to, is the performance in that, race and maintaining your muscle and strength makes all the sense in the world except i go back and forth all the time with like (laughs) i want to be lean and fast and then a week later it's like i want to be strong and jacked so i'm all over the freaking place (laughs) i need to figure that out um i i feel like i have to ask this because one, I'm on a podcast with you and two just started two days ago taking athletic greens because I wanted to try it. I want to see what the hype's about. Um, do you have thoughts on athletic greens? Um, I looked into them a little bit because I had um, someone I know messaged me about greens in general. Um, so that was actually the brand that I did recommend to them. Um I, I don't know that I feel they are necessary. You know, I, I don't know. I, I would, I wouldn't say they're necessary, but if you're wanting to take a greens, I don't think it would be hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did like, when I was looking at the different brands, I did like that one. <laughs> so, you know, whether you need it or not is debatable, but mm-hmm. I, that, that was actually the brand that I did recommend to them because they wanted, um, the greens. So you, I don't know if you like, if you can eat greens, I don't see why not. Yeah. And their marketing, a lot of it's just kind of like, you know, even if you eat greens, we still have a bunch of stuff that you're just not getting on a daily basis or whatever. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's false. Um, you know, that's great marketing, right? And if I remember correctly, I, I didn't look it up. This, it's been a few weeks and it was in the morning too. So I don't remember exactly, but if I'm remembering correctly, it was a greens powder, but it also was kind of like a multivitamin and minerals and a probiotic. Uh, I don't know. Eh, let me look. I'll look it up real quick. Um, I do know that separately, 
they had a drop. If you get like, we got, um, the two packs per month because my fiance and I are doing it together. And with that, you get like a vitamin D plus K drop, which I don't oh. need because I have the supplement. So I said, this is all yours. If you want it. Um, let me look real quick to see. I don't have, I'm literally wrote this down as we were talking. It was like, I would have brought the bag in here if I had um, known that. Um, let's see here. I'm going to love live podcasting. So it says supports gut health, immunity, energy, recovery, focus, aging, and more. Um, Superfood complex, dairy-free probiotics, plant extracts, and antioxidants, enzyme, and mushroom complex. Vitamins and minerals. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a, they're, they're tackling a bunch of different things at once. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember it. It looked like a decently made product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't hate it by any means. You know, I, I don't think it would be harmful for, for most people. Anyways. Yeah, I, I do imagine, I can I can imagine, you know, Americans and their diets overall just aren't the greatest. So something like this probably is super beneficial. I do tend to be pretty healthy and do get my supplements from other places. So I wonder how much of this is actually necessary. Um, but everything I read and hear about it is very positive. What I'd say with honestly, any of these supplements, whether it's greens or creatine or caffeine, or even vitamins, minerals, like I think the most important thing is you need to have a solid foundation first. The supplements are meant to supplement, not Mm. to substitute. So you can take all these supplements and I see this all the time, you know, you've got 10 different supplements, but at the end of the day, if you're not eating the right amount of calories, you're not eating the right amount of macronutrients, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not doing the appropriate training and rest that you require all of these other things aren't going to do all that much for you. Like that, that solid foundation is what's going to be the most beneficial. And if that's really strong, then we can test out certain supplements for you that might be beneficial to what you do and what your goals are. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love to give my guests, you know, the mic, when running a podcast or any final words, final advice, that could very well be it. Cause that was awesome. Unless you want to say something else that no, might be yours, but that I, was awesome. I think people really need to understand that. So I'm, I'm happy with that being my <laughs> drop the mic. Literally <laughs> I am out of here. Um, this has been freaking awesome. And, and, if you want to come back, you're welcome. Anytime I can talk all day, this stuff, I have questions for days. As you can tell, we went off script a little bit from, from, I, I told you I was going to happen. I said, this is, I know we're going to go off script here. Um, but this has been awesome. I, I'm, I'm very happy to have had you on and I would love to give people an opportunity to find you uh, online and interact with you and follow your social media and Instagram. Cause I know you do put out some really good content. And I appreciate that. And that's how I found you. And that's, you know, I, I do find a lot of people on Instagram, but I also make sure that they're spreading like a really good word. They have good content and you certainly do. So please let people know where they can find you. 
Thank you. Yeah. On, on social media, I'm most active on Instagram and my handles at talent nutrition and talent is with two L's, um, not one. And um, I am also on like LinkedIn and Facebook, but my currently my Instagram is by far the most, um, I guess, well done piece of social media I have. Um, if people could also reach out to me, if they're interested in working with me, you, you can message me on Instagram. I'm very responsive, or, um, you can even email me. It's talent nutrition 702 at gmail.com. Um, I have a website, but long story short, I, it was one of my first investment as a entrepreneur. <laughs> didn't go that great. I decided to just start over and build my own. However, I have zero knowledge in web design and stuff. So it, it's a slow process. <laughs> so it's there. It's talentnutrition.com. And you can message me. You can contact me through there as well. It, it totally functions. You're just not going to find any <laughs> valuable content yet. Um, I tell you I, what, I do branding and design for my job. So if you need help with that, <laughs> Let me know. I, I help all Broncos fans with their stuff. If they need, so. Yeah, I could. Um, my, my future, you know, down the road, I really want to create a blog because I love teaching. I love being able to reach more people than just my one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, so I feel like a blog um, along with like speaking um, gigs and stuff are, is a good way to do that. Um, so that is down the road, but for now, I would say I do that mostly on Instagram. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. And it's talent because that's your last name. How did you, how did you get yes. that last name? How freaking cool is that? <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, it's talent with two L's because that is actually my last name. That's <laughs> Just so cool. To fit really well with what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome back anytime. I'm going to invite you. So be prepared. And uh, that's awesome. We'll talk soon. And thanks so much. This information is just so invaluable. This is this is why I wanted I to go back to school for this. This is stuff we should all know for real. It affects all of us. So thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Go say hi to your kids. Get out of here. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Once again, a very special thank you to Raquel Talent for joining me on this episode. I just feel like every question that I threw at her, she had an answer to. I can only wonder how it feels to be that smart and to have an answer for every question. You know, maybe I'll get there one day if I keep talking to smart people like her. But uh, like I said, that, that information is just so invaluable. It affects every day. It affects how you feel. It affects your longevity in life, your health. These are some of my favorite conversations. I love bringing this information to you. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Please leave a rating, subscribe, share with a friend. It means the world to me and it helps get information like this out to so many more people. So thank you once again and I'll catch you next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.